All right, so we are here, Tonecast number 36. So this is uh, heading into the summer of 2018. We're, we're really excited to be here with the Tonecast, um, kind of trying to get back into a groove of more frequent episodes, as we've mentioned before, letting you guys know about uh, new things that's going on in the shop, uh, interviews, that kind of stuff. So hopefully the summer is full of a lot of interviews, a lot of uh, really good content. We have a ton of cool stuff happening for the business, but uh, Marco, as always, is joining me. Uh, how are you today, Marco? Hi, everyone. Happy June. Happy June. It's starting to get hot over <laughs> here now. It is. So so speaking of that, we have uh, our our shop. If you've ever been to our shop or if you want to come to our shop at some point, um, it's basically a concrete bunker, right? Mm-hmm. So <laughs> it literally has concrete walls and concrete ceilings. Uh, in both of the bays, so we have the showroom, and which is kind of the showroom has some panels on it, so it doesn't look like it's a concrete setup, but there's concrete behind all of the mm-hmm. all of the walls and the ceiling as well. So um, in this in the winter, uh, it's not too bad to keep it to keep it cool or uh, keep it warm, but uh, the summer's been a little challenging. Mm-hmm. So we were, we had uh, we were over 90 degrees the other day, and you know cool down in the morning, so we we're like. Frantically trying to like keep the shop cool, and then closing the doors and and uh, running the swamp coolers and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So it's uh, it's been a little interesting, especially when you're in there just kind of working away on pickups or guitars. You're you're starting to get a little sweaty. So oh yeah, yeah. definitely. <laughs> I'm sure everyone is like really excited to know that information that, <laughs> that we're sweating away making yeah. making your stuff. But it really is uh, <laughs> blood, sweat, and tears, I guess, uh, to make make the products here. So Marco, I guess uh, go ahead and. Uh, let people know how they can find us. Um, obviously, if they're listening to this, they've already found us, um, but more, more so kind of the ways they can connect with us on social media, things like that. Well, first and foremost, uh, we have the Porter Pickups website and Porter Guitars website, as well as like a, our tone community on Facebook, and we've got videos on YouTube. And if you stumble upon our website, there there's links in the communities tab to all these other places where we've got content online that that you all wonderful people can enjoy and, yeah, and for sure. comment on and stuff like that. So, and, and we always kind of give the tone community on Facebook a little extra shout out just because it is more interactive. Um, both you and I are, are members there and mm-hmm. commenting and sharing stuff. Um, we've released some new products and concepts and, and we actually get customer feedback from stuff before we actually have it. So mm-hmm. like we're working on a hat design Right oh, now, that's right. and so mm-hmm. we posted a couple mock-ups of the hat, and we had some some feedback and and things like that. So that's a really good place for you to interact with us if you don't already join us there, and you're really interested in what we have going on. Um, chances are, quite a bit of stuff will be leaked there first before it's even available. Mm-hmm. Um, so even kind of like the first, you know, yeah, battle for yeah, and even like media. you know, opportunities to buy stuff before they're out, or a new model that we're working on, or the first video. You know, I'm. I'm thinking that we'll do some of the first videos of our new guitar model, uh, the Le Bois, in the Tone community, mm-hmm. just kind of as a, you know, hey, you guys have been extra loyal followers, and, and we'd love to kind of share what we've got going um, with that. So I think uh, that's kind of the place we really, wanna, we really want we people to engage with us. Um, it's a little more personal, I guess. Mm-hmm. And everyone's on Facebook. You know, it's, it's a very common place to interact these days online. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Well, I'll kind of give a quick uh, shop update here. Uh, we've got, uh, again, we're still working towards this new model. We've been spending a long time on the model. We talked a little bit about it uh, in the past few episodes. Um, it's consuming 
a lot of our time, both of our time in terms <laughs> of, you know, making pickups for it, uh, cutting pick guards and making necks and things like uh-huh. that. So on the guitar side of the shop, we have uh, three of us that are, are kind of working throughout the week, building necks and fretting and cutting and sanding and all that stuff. And so we're, we're, We've got the first batch in paint. We're we're getting really close Super to, exciting. to to holding and, and feeling these guitars. I know we mentioned it last time. It's kind of like we're ready to move on from the the Home Depot guitar, but to, <laughs> you know, play something with actually finish on it and and something that that you know is finally the the culmination of all the hard work and the design and things like that. So we got big shipment of cases yesterday, and just <laughs> there's a lot of a lot of new things going on in the shop. So um, you know, personally, it's like it's like a nerve wracking time for me because I'm like, okay, all of this work, all of this money and time and energy and all that stuff. And here we go. We're heading into this new product. So uh, we're excited to share that with you guys. Um, along with Marco mentioned the, the websites, we're actually redoing the guitars website uh, with the two models and more content, things like that. So a lot of new things will come, come out um, a lot. So working on be, a lot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So make sure you follow us on the social media again, as Marco mentioned. Um, and another thing that we are doing that is actually the week of this uh, recording, everything's starting to go live. Is um, we have a little bit of stuff on Amazon. Um, so Amazon Prime. If you're an Amazon Prime member, you can buy uh, some of our best-selling pickups on Amazon with free shipping. Um, we've we've got the UPC codes, and we've ship them to different warehouses and all that stuff. So we're kind of uh, entering a new sort of unknown retail thing for our yeah. pickups. Um, but it's exciting because if you need something that's in stock, you need it quick, um, it's already built. And it's, it's sitting at, yeah, it's sitting at Amazon ready to go. So if you search Amazon for Porter Pickups, you'll be able to see quite a bit of stuff on there. We have... Um, hybrid Pluses. Yeah, Hybrid Plus, Vintage, vintage custom, custom. Yeah, that we have, uh, let's see, we have 9T Custom Telly. Yeah. So we've the got classics. <laughs> yeah, we've got basically two, two each of Strat Tele humbucker that are kind of our our bigger sellers. Um, you know, one thing that was hard is we have to assign a UPC code to each cover option. So if it's a smooth classic set, there's one UPC code for chrome, one for nickel, one for raw nickel, one for black, one for zebra. You know, and and so rather than you know getting a million UPC codes and and doing that, we've we've actually just bought. X amount of UPC codes, and we're trying to start with some of the some of the combinations that are more popular. Yeah, um, as far as as the stock that goes um, to goes out to Amazon. So, obviously, if you're going straight through the website, you can get it built however you want. But mm-hmm. if you see it on there and it's the options that you want, um, it's in stock, and you're not you're not gonna have to wait. So, that's an option for you if you need something super fast. Yeah, sweet deal, I think. Um, and so now I want to take the time to give a shout out to one of our premier dealers, our first premier dealer, actually. It's a music store live, which kind of goes into the same umbrella as Pitbull Audio. I don't know if you guys have heard of them. They're a big online music retailer, all the good stuff. Um, but what makes them a premier dealer is they're going to start offering not only a dealer of our, our pickups, but also of our guitars that are coming out. And we're actually building a few uh, Swamp Ash guitars yeah. for yeah. them. So they're the, they're the first Swamp Ash ones that we built, so it's exciting to see how those are going to turn out compared to the other ones. Yeah, definitely. And they we won't say too much about uh, what exactly the guitars have on them other than that 
they're pretty they're going to be pretty nice and we're building a couple of each of the models so <laughs> you'll see those come out on social media but then they will be available for sale um through that retailer as well so we're super excited about that um we we are kind of going to make some pushes towards towards stores and and dealers of the guitars and also hopefully this fall we're kind of going to explore some guitar shows and things like that so those who live in different parts of the country hopefully we can be out there in your area come meet us come hang yeah, out for sure um try to we'll try to have some guitars there and things like that so um you know the challenge with uh making pickups for all this time and then releasing guitars is is they kind of have to be marketed differently um, and we'll get in that's a that's probably a whole episode in itself <laughs> so we won't get into that but there is um there are some elements of uh, that side of the business where it's like we'll be presenting the guitars in different places probably than the pickups. Um, so it'll, mm-hmm. it'll be a very interesting dynamic as we go forward. So uh, look for that. Look for definitely more um, more guitars available, production guitars, things like that. Um, hopefully, as we sit here, what, June 5th-ish yeah. or so, mm-hmm. hopefully within a few weeks we'll start having some some guitar photos out. I know that that right now there's four or five that are most of the way through paint, um, and then we're going to go with another batch. So we're, we have a backlog of about 20 or so guitars right now. We've so, been working hard. <laughs> yeah, so we've got uh, we've got a lot of stuff coming out. So going to be a few late nights uh, coming up, I think, for, for both of us, mm-hmm. but uh, we'll make it work. Yeah, it's a labor of love, so it's okay. All right, so this next segment that we've got is actually a new thing we're going to try called pickup myths. Um, we've all heard so many pickup myths and things that like, oh, this is what you need to make this sound, and, and this is what you have to have in order to get this specific tone. So we came up with a topic, and it's kind of a pretty popular one, I'd say, as far as pickup myths go. You always hear about the good old boys talking about the PAFs, the original yes. Gibson PAF. And... Uh, um, more specifically, what what have you run into in your quest for PAF tone? Yeah, I think um, this is you know I don't want to get in trouble <laughs> with with that, but there is like you said, there's a ton of myths in the industry, um, kind of legends, and everyone's like you know the unicorn dust and the magic fairy dust or whatever mm-hmm. is like you know we have the secret sauce to develop the most authentic this or that, or you know you can sound like Clapton if you buy this pickup, you know that kind of thing, and and if you've noticed, we don't really do that kind of marketing. We're very practical in our approach, and um, you know, we've—I think we've touched on it in past episodes of kind of our design approach. Um, but really, when I when I look at a pickup, and when we're creating pickups in the shop, we kind of like try to weed through uh, the legends kind of stuff, and we try to figure out how can we wind something, and what recipe can we put together to actually create. You know, create something that sounds really good, and create something that that does what we say it does, and we're not just making up fluffy, fluffy words. You know, we had we had yeah. the "What Is Tone" episode a couple times ago, and and it was like, you know, we're not just throwing fancy words out there. We're really trying to accurately describe what it can do for you. Because at the end of the day, you know, I'm approaching it like a practical musician. You know, a lot of our customers maybe don't aren't sitting on a ton of money, and if they're going to spend a couple hundred bucks on a pickup set. Um, they want to get what they paid for and they want to be happy with it. Mm-hmm. And so that's really the way we spend a lot of extra time. Um, I think without getting into the massive topic that is the PAF, yeah. I'm going to focus on one little part of the PAF. Yes, we'll start small. Yes. So so we're going to talk all the way down to the pickup spacer. So 
Um, if you're familiar with humbucker construction, there's a, there's the slug coil and a screw coil, and there's a magnet in between them up against a keeper bar that's uh, you know contains the pole pieces basically through the screw side bobbin. And then the other side where you know have one wire, you know one side where the hookup wire comes in, whether it's four conductor or braided. And the other side, you usually just need something to to, to make it flat, hold. right? Yeah. So it's it's a it's a spacer. Um, the early years they used a maple spacer. Uh, we often use plastic spacers in the shop, um, and there's there's no tonal reason for that because I don't think that the spacer impacts the tone at all. That's mm-hmm. my that's my personal opinion on that. Um, I know people get really crazy about the the spacer we had. Um, a guy call us and ask us about what kind of maple that we used in our spacer. And so I was, you know, thrown back a little bit. I said, what, what do you mean, what kind of maple? It's, it's maple. You know, he said, well, is it eastern or western maple? And I was like, to be honest, I don't know because we're, you know, at that point I think we were either buying them from a supplier or we have cut them before. You know, we've bought maple and actually cut our own spacers, but that was super super time-consuming to mm-hmm. get them all thickness down. For such down. a small process. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so he literally would not would not be interested in the PAFs that we sold unless they had a maple spacer in them. And I didn't have the heart to tell him they were probably plastic, you know, which is what we've kind of switched to just, mm-hmm. just using that. Even some pickups we don't use spacers on if mm-hmm. we don't need to. Um, and so that's a really interesting, you know, thing to me. And I guess... I know the like the PAF guys are kind of um, pigeonholed as like really really particular or really crazy about about that, but they're they're chasing a, a tone and a sound. So I understand like part of uh, the craziness or maybe like a little more anal to like I need this magnet. It has to I need be this, this spec. Con- you know <laughs> this composition of the slug has to be this much of each alloy and and that kind of stuff and and so. We've kind of again with with the way that we build, we've kind of treated it practically as well. So, if I'm not hearing when I we create a pickup, if I'm not hearing a difference with a spacer, then I'm not I'm not going to steer one way or another. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's just it, it's a functional thing in my opinion. So, um, and there's people that would that would probably swear differently. There's people that mm-hmm. may be listening to this and are like, man, I don't agree with that. And that's okay, but um, it's from our perspective, that's the way that we look at things. Um, so that's a that's a brief talk about just a little part, just but a tiny part. But we see that all the time, where it's you know sometimes a little bit of a rabbit trail here, but sometimes we're influenced by a bunch of other things that may or may not be truth. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So we're we're influenced by you know this guy swears by a maple spacer, and so I do too. And that kind of thing. Like, you don't have to take what I say as as truth. I'm just coming at it from a different perspective. I'm not coming at it only as like a guitar player. I'm I'm coming at of it at it like the designer mm-hmm. and the builder and and uh, why we do stuff. Yeah. And so, hopefully, that makes sense. I'm I'm certainly not trying to step on any toes, but I, I would hope that our listeners <laughs> understand, like, you know, the goal of mm-hmm. of the pickup myths is more of, you know, we've we've seen and heard this. This is the way that we approach it, and this is the way we we make a decision, one way or another. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. So I don't I don't feel like we need to have a maple spacer in a in a pickup. 
it's not a defining characteristic yeah, of the yeah. tone, at least. Yeah, we used to. You know, we used to kind of try to so hard to have every little speck mm-hmm. of our PAFs be down to the, you know, the long bobbin material, and... long leg, you know, metal braided, all that stuff. But then I realized, you know, when we created the PAF, I wasn't trying to nail a particular year of the PAF sound. Um, I tried, you know, late uh, 50s Les Paul PAFs. I've tried some SG, some 335, like old, old stuff. And all of them had their own characteristic. And I know that's part of the thing with PAF mm-hmm. is, is they were random, random magnets, you know. Who, yeah, you don't know who's you just don't, winding them on yeah, what so, given so day. So you're chasing something that was random. And so our goal was to kind of like take some of the random tone elements that we liked, which was good sustain, good clarity, low wine pickups, um, good all-around humbucker for classic rock, blues, things like that, mm-hmm. and then try to make our take on it consistent. So rather than just, you know, I didn't want to build them randomly, even though that's how they were built. You know, it's like, oh, let's throw a, you know, a mystery magnet, Alnico 2 in here, and then a 4, and then a 5, mm-hmm. and and that's fine because we've experimented with... Uh, all the different combos, and we certainly yeah. have have liked some of the the differences. But we try to keep our wine consistent, and a stock magnet, which is the A five magnets, and mm-hmm. then it goes from there. You know, you can choose, you can choose the magnets, you can choose um, other stuff over wine, things like that. So yeah, if you really want a maple spacer, we can rustle yes. one up for you. Yeah, we will go back in the guitar side and, <laughs> and shave, cut one, shave one yeah. off, and, and put one in there, hand so, sculpted. Yeah, exactly. So some of it was, you know, even down to the decision of to change the base plates on the on those. So we went standard um, with short leg base plates on our PAFs, and a lot of the guys really like the long leg base plates. And I get it for direct mounting and things like that. But the problem was there was a lot of people that wanted PAFs, and the long leg base plates wouldn't fit into their guitar routes. And so our our job is to not alienate customers, and so. We decided to make more of a universal PAF that would that would work in anything, and and even t- down to the braided wire, we've actually kind of been switching over to four conductor as a standard on the PAFs mm-hmm. because there's all these new Les Pauls and SGs and things like that with push pull pots mm-hmm. and and phasing and all that stuff. So it's ready to go to adapt into those situations rather than it's braided and you're stuck and you can't yeah. do anything with it. So that's kind of been the. Uh, <laughs> The philosophy there, but uh, we'll keep going with pickup myths. If if you guys have any um, any topics that you'd like us to cover in relation to pickup pick up myths, myths. Um, you know why did they do this or why do people think this about pickups? Um, even if it's a general question, like I'm I'm unsure about this, why you know why this um, that kind of thing. So if you have those questions, um, I believe there's a form on our, our podcast page under the community tab, Tonecast. There's a question form, so you can actually submit a question, and we'd love to answer that for you. Mm-hmm. Um, it can be simple. It doesn't have to be a complicated question. It can be, you know, why do you use this, or what, is, you know, what does this do to, to a pickup, that kind of thing. So we'll continue to throw in some of these pickup myths throughout each episode. Um, I'm excited about, about doing that. Um, you know, I think we were talking about kind of in a show planning. We we're talking about like doing sort of like a MythBusters kind of thing, mm-hmm. and I don't know if we'll go that far, but uh, at least we'll be doing some videos as well, kind of some supplementary videos as far as um, like things like potted versus unpotted, mm-hmm. um, 
covered, uncovered. Different you know. magnets yeah, in the same wine. Exactly, mm-hmm. exactly. So we have a lot of fun stuff planned that we'll we'll try to expand. And then Marco and I have, have been trying to get the, you know, I don't know if we're trying to get the courage, but we're <laughs> we're talking about doing a lot more video podcasts in association with, with the uh, audio ones. And I don't necessarily want to set up a camera and just have it pointing at us and we're just talking across the table in the studio um, I don't know if that, that that's super <laughs> I don't know if that's exciting. super exciting yeah. for someone to spend uh, you know 45 minutes watching that but uh, we'll do some more interactive shorter podcasts um, us just sitting down going over uh, new models going over um, subjects and things like that so we'll try to condense those down to um, shorter either supplementary kind of topics you know or or topics all all their own as well so that's that's definitely something that uh, we'll be rolling out this summer as well. Yes, yes, indeed. All right, and so now we are on to our next little area of oh, yes. discussion. Guitar stories. Guitar stories. So I think it's funny because we all have guitar stories, right? We have we have gig stories and and things like that. So um, for for sake of time, we'll, we'll just have, have you share a, a crazy guitar story that you uh, maybe at a gig or, or something in the past that... Uh, Okay. Sticks out. Now I'm putting you on the spot. But, no, I, but. I I got one, and it's kind of a sad story. I mean, we all a sad story. It it is it is kind of sad. So I was okay. not too long ago, maybe a couple months back. I I was in Spokane playing a show with one of my uh, groups, and it it was such a like a long drive, and we were all tired. And when we got to the venue, we we all looked like zombies, like and we all were feeling it. We were so tired, and we were one of the the last few bands to play. So by the time we got to set up everything we were just exhausted and i think no nobody was really like thinking clearly so uh one of the, the other guitar player actually put his uh flying beat it was like up on a speaker it was on a stand but it was on top of a speaker and it was still plugged into the to the amp so i, I think you know where this is going uh, <laughs> i accidentally walked over and i like tripped the cable a little bit and it ended up taking a dive and as anybody knows, that's like, you know, the scariest nails on the chalkboard thing that could happen to a, a, a musician. <laughs> and I just, I remember seeing it fall out of my peripheral vision and I was like, oh man, that there it goes. You know, it's yeah. it was a, a Jackson, so it does kind of have a little bit of a, you know, that back tilt that that's so, oh, sure. that could be the kryptonite of a lot of guitars. But funny enough is that it just took like maybe an inch chunk out of like that first horn. I, you've seen like Jackson headstocks yeah, and they yeah. kind of look like a foot. So it's just like like a little, like an inch of the heel just was lopped off and, and it almost made it to that low E tuner. Oh, but it gosh. very, it just, it was a very <laughs> clean snap. The neck was fine. It was able to be glued on. It was like best case scenario for like a headstock. Good. So you didn't snap the headstock completely. Yeah, nothing like that. Um, I was going to say, you tell me that now after you've been borrowing guitars every weekend yeah. from the shop. <laughs> like maybe I shouldn't let you borrow guitars. If it takes a dive, it's going to be fine. Yeah, exactly. Just Yeah, that's really reassuring. Thanks, <laughs> thanks Marco. <laughs> Luckily, the necks that we build are very sturdy. There's no tilt back to them. Yeah, so. yeah. I, I wouldn't be too worried them about on an airplane. And yeah, fine, probably. I wouldn't be too worried about our guitars getting too too trash. But uh, the next would be fine. Yeah. So even if you buy some, you know, Stage Fury, you feel like Kurt Cobain, and you smash up your Porter guitar body, it, the neck will still fit on another body. So you just have <laughs> to say, "Hey, send me another body." And yeah, exactly. 
But don't smash it. If you're going to spend that, <laughs> spend that kind of money, don't, don't be smashing it on stage. I mean, we wouldn't mind selling you another guitar, but uh, yeah, don't, don't smash it. <laughs> but yeah, that, that, was, that was my story. I, I remember feeling so bad, and, and uh, Ryan is the gentleman's name. He was so cool about it, and he, he, very, he kept it together. He didn't like freak so out on me. He didn't punch or you, or he didn't kick, you didn't get kicked out of the band. Yeah, or... luckily we have, we have a backup <laughs> between the two of us, and, and it was fine. Um, uh yeah, it was, it was just a crazy show. And, yeah, that's wild. Oh man, I you always that just uh, that scares me so much. His guitars falling and leaving guitars plugged in, and yeah, that reminds so. me. I'll I'll just share a quick one too because um, I don't even remember. I think it may have been playing a gig, but my my second guitar. So I kind of went from a a PV Predator to a USA Strat. So I took a pretty big mm-hmm. jump. Jumping. Um, I saved forever to buy a USA Strat. It was uh, late nineties. Strat, uh, I think they were 850 at that point for a USA Strat. So, really a good deal, yeah. <laughs> all things considered. But 850 bucks was a ton of it's money. Not cheap. And it took me forever to save it up, and didn't have a credit card, so I had to ask my dad, "Can I, can I um, get this from musician's friend? But can we use your credit card, and I'll just <laughs> give you the money?" And and so it was just like this big, you know, big deal getting this guitar. But, but. After that, I mean, I've had other guitars in between, but one of my next bigger guitar purchases was a um, Schecter USA. Uh, it was kind of a carved top, California something. It had 24 frets. I don't remember the name of the model. Um, really nice with Swamp Ash with carved top Ooh. and mm-hmm. Palfaro fretboard and that kind of thing. Um, my friends kept telling me about strap locks. You know, put strap locks on, put strap locks on and. and this is the reason, the backstory of why all of our guitars have strap locks, our, our production Porter guitars, because uh, I, I just don't remember. Oh, I had a, a, a Mesa Tremoverb at the time, and if you're familiar with those, they, they have a little box, like a foot switch box that's, you know, it's like, you know, industrial steel, like, you know, just <laughs> really, heavy really heavy duty. Yeah, so for obviously switching the channels and stuff like that, and... And I just remember picking up the guitar and I was holding it up high on the, on the neck and the bottom strap popped off and the guitar just swung down. And it was kind of all in one, like as I was picking it up to move it and put it on, then the, the strap went down. So it kind of went from the playing position and swung down like a... Just too fast. Like an axe <laughs> or something. It just went straight into that pedal. And so I hit the side of the pedal and just put like a perfect gouge all the way across the side of the body. And I was just like, oh, and it had, so it was blue and it had natural binding. And so the gouge went like oh, through the natural no. binding to the side of the guitar. And so it was just like, I was devastated, you know? I was like, oh no. And uh, you know, obviously tried to take good care of that guitar because I spent a lot of money on it and and then it, it crashed. And so, um, you know, classic strap lock story is that I went to the store and got strap locks right after that because... <laughs> I wanted to make sure my guitar didn't fall, but it's because my guitar fell and I was too cheap to buy a 15 or $20 set of strap locks to put on this nice guitar. So uh, long story short, that's why we have uh, flush locks. mount strap locks on our, all of our guitars. Mm-hmm. They look very nice, by the yes. way. Nice yeah. and low profile and yeah. not bulky at all. Definitely. I know that's sometimes people's biggest complaints about the strap locks is the the bulky like push button, quick release thing. But I think it's I think it's ingenious and I never go on any stage or even put a guitar strap on without strap locks. So. Yeah, well, how many times do you see those videos of, 
of people slinging their guitar oh. around their head and their guitar just goes flying uh, across the stage. I mean, they're funny to watch, but uh, you're like, so I don't want that to be me, you know? That makes me cringe. That to me is <laughs> nails on the chalkboard. Oh my gosh, yeah. People sing, mistreat beautiful, beautiful six-stringed instruments or seven-stringed instruments. <laughs> but yeah, that's, uh, that's kind of what we've got for our guitar story section here today. We're going to move on to now something that we both thought would be very interesting is a little more insight into the early years of Porter. Um, you're hearing us now, uh, but Brian's been doing this for you know years, and he's been you know trucking along, staying relevant, and making high quality products for this many years. So I think all of us are curious as to just how the early years were going, and I'm sure they weren't nearly as smooth. Well, I don't know that it's smooth now. It yeah. feels more smooth <laughs> than it did before, but. Uh... Yeah, we we like Marco said, we thought we'd just cover a little bit, like kind of break it into sections over three or four episodes and just kind of, uh, anytime I listen to like a business owner, gear business owner that I respect, I really want to know how they got started and how they kind of broke through and how they went full time and, and all those little things that are kind of milestones, you know, and, and I think it's important to look back and, and remember those things, uh, but then obviously, you know, keep going forward as well. Um, so I'll talk a little bit about, um, you know, some of the first years and this will be, this part of it will probably be pre Porter pickups. So kind of up until Porter pickups became a thing, mm-hmm. um, which when, when it became a thing, it wasn't really a thing. So <laughs> we'll start from when I literally started making pickups, we'll go from, you know, early guitar up until that point. Yeah. So I'll condense it down. So we're not, you know, spending a whole bunch of time, but, uh, We've talked about, you know, some of this kind of interjects with previous. If you've been listening to the show, there's some some like, you know, first guitar stories. And I just mentioned a couple of the first guitar things. But basically, when I got a guitar, I wanted to mod it. I wanted to change it uh, right away. So something about the guitar was um, making me want to take it apart mm-hmm. and making me want to, to modify it. Um, painting my first guitar, switching, you know, my second guitar, as I mentioned, was a Strat. So... The nice thing about strats, you can switch out necks and mm-hmm. I switched out tuners and wiring combinations. Um, yeah, wiring stuff. I mean, I didn't even know. I, mean, I knew how to solder because my dad worked at an electronics business and I worked for him for a while. So soldering was something I could do okay early on. Even I think I learned how to solder before I actually like played guitar mm-hmm. as well. So it wasn't too hard for me to mod a guitar. But I remember we would go and and. Friend and I would just, uh, you know, get into the shop in my dad's shop or uh, late at late at night, and it'd be no one would be there, the lights would be off, and go in there and turn it on and and uh, start grabbing tools and all right, let's change out this pickup, let's mm-hmm. change out this and and let's switch. You know, I think the first thing I did on the Strat was switch a pickguard. You know, it Ooh, was yeah. it was white, and I went to Perloid, and I was like, wow, that's so cool, you can do that to a guitar. You know, it was like mm-hmm. this mind blowing experience, and then. And then I remember putting in like I think lace sensor pickups and um, sw- switching like I said the the neck to maple and I was like oh I really like you know I started getting picky about color combinations at that point because mm-hmm. it was a, a three tone sunburst and I put a maple neck on there and it it was like the bright white maple and no. like, oh, this doesn't look as good as the rosewood so I'll put the rosewood back on there and I didn't know anything about setup and all that stuff and thankfully the the guitar was pretty solid like we still have that guitar today and it's. Um, it's pretty solid guitar. So it was able to kind of handle me messing around with it a lot. Um, the only thing 
that we we had happen was you know just pick guard screws the holes are getting stripped out because mm-hmm. we've changed uh, changed pick guards out so much and and kind of by happy accident that was a swimming pool route strat so I could you know put Humbuckers in any and... any kind of combination <laughs> and that's you know that obviously is a another connection to the Krosis guitars there's a big route we can put whatever pickups we want in that guitar and that's sort of the inspiration that literally came from me messing around and and it wasn't like i bought the strat knowing that it's just that that was one of my first guitars and i loved it so much and i loved that versatility so much Uh, because i had a friend that had you know had a strat but it was the three single coil strat and and so he didn't want to route it to put in humbuckers and i was you know i was just putting in humbuckers in mine without any issue (laughs) it's like man that's that's not cool you know Mm -hmm. like i have to go route my guitar and he didn't want to route his guitar, which I totally understand. And um, but yeah, that was kind of the the first sort of early years. Um, so when I was into guitar, I got a, an apprenticeship with a guy here in town named John Bolin, uh, who builds guitars for ZZ Top and Aerosmith, all sorts mm-hmm. of Steve Miller, all those guys. And I spent nine months with him, kind of learning how to design a guitar and what kind of goes into that, um, all the different elements. Um, I was still pretty young at that point, so I didn't learn as much as I could have, uh, but it was a great foundation for me to see kind of what a guitar shop looked like and what sort of the life of a guitar maker was like. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think I, st- I didn't, you know, I didn't know that I would eventually be doing that. I just knew that I liked it and I thought I w- it would be fun learning experience, which it was. Yeah. Um, and so going to school and doing all that stuff and went to college, all that, all that fun stuff. And, in college, I was in a jazz band, uh, traveling kind of vocal jazz band. We were like the rhythm section. So I had that Schechter I mentioned before, <laughs> just playing kind of a metal guitar in a jazz band, which uh, I got some good some looks, weird looks. Some from the snobby jazz box guys. You know, they're like, oh, gosh, this guy's got that Schechter. That he's doesn't playing, even have you know, flatlines on it. Yeah, <laughs> he's playing the D minor 7, and it sounds so stupid on that guitar, <laughs> you know, and I'm trying to make my jazz snob voice. I don't know what a jazz snob voice is, but that's... That's what I imagine yeah. it being. So, um, but yeah, after that, it was kind of like I was doing that. And then at school, I was uh, studying classical guitar. So, it was part of the curriculum. So, here I was like into blues and rock. And then I went to school for music, which was good. Um, but I was doing classical guitar and jazz guitar coming from, you know, I look back and I'm like, I really should have appreciated that time a little bit more because I was learning a lot of really fun stuff. Um, that probably still influences me today, but mm-hmm. it it wasn't like I woke up every day. I'm like, I can't wait to go play jazz. I can't <laughs> wait to go grow my nails out and play classical guitar. Mm-hmm. You know, like at, at my teacher in college was like, we had a the whole first lesson was how to manicure your nails and how to how to grow them so you could pick correctly. And, wow. and I was just like, man, I don't know what I'm doing here. <laughs> you know, this is this is guitar, but it's not like. It's not necessarily inspiring. It's not necessarily fun. And so I think as I went through all of that, I kind of learned, you know, I love everything about guitar, but there's certain segments of guitar that I, you know, I didn't see myself wanting to like have a career in, in jazz guitar to to do all that stuff. And I, I didn't have the opportunity. I wasn't good enough. But the stuff that I enjoyed was tinkering and making stuff and, and building stuff and getting in there and, um, you know, I've always been a practical learner, so I've got to make 30 mistakes before I get it right. But then I know I'm not going to make that mistake again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I kind of find the, 
the right elements. And it takes me a lot longer to do stuff. I can't just read a book and then all of a sudden, voila, I'm making making stuff. And people ask me, well, how'd you learn how to wind pickups? And I was like, if you come to the shop, you can see how I learned how to wind <laughs> pickups. Underneath the winding bench, there's mounds and mounds of copper yeah. wire from from bad sounding pickups, from screw ups and things like that. Um, I spent a lot of money just learning the hard way, mm-hmm. and, and both good and bad. You know, I've had to deal with uh, a lot of really tough situations because I'm trying to learn the hard way. Um, but at <laughs> the same time, like I think I've been able to narrow narrow down what what we really should focus on as a business and, and uh, you know, again, that practical approach. And so all of this, you know, as I look back, it's even funny now just talking about it. It's like it all kind of shaped the creation of what we're doing now. Um, you know, early on, it's like I wanted to be in a band. I wanted to, to play and do all that stuff. But, but then I realized, you know, this is what I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to make stuff for other people. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so I'll bring it right up to that point of, of, starting to wind pickups, which basically was like, kind of like, man, I need to, I need to do some guitar work again. I just need to get back in there and I just need to try it and jump in. Um, so I started trying to make a guitar again, uh, just through borrowing shop space and, and all that. And then out of that came the desire to, well, why not learn how to make the pickups? Because they're a crucial part of the guitar. Mm-hmm. The more I, I looked into pickups, the more that I had experience with, swapping stuff in and out. It's like, man, these are these are really crucial. Mm-hmm. And if I don't get the right ones, my guitars that I'm making aren't going to sound good. Yeah. And, and I didn't want to just buy, you know, at that point it was like, you know, Fender pickups were like really popular as an aftermarket thing. You know, you could upgrade upgrade different, you know, your existing pickups with, with better Fender pickups mm-hmm. and things like that. And so... That was kind of my reference. And I'm like, well, if I'm making guitars, I don't want to put Fender pickups in them. That seems kind of weird. Um, and so that was when the uh, the light bulb came on. I'm like, maybe I should make my own pickups. Um, Ooh. So that was the uh, that was kind of the all the stuff leading up to that point. And so I was messing with guitars, and then it was like, I need to make my own pickups. And <laughs> so that's kind of the the early. That's history. Still, yeah, the light so that's bulb. the cliffhanger <laughs> for all the people that are still listening. Um, we'll, we'll pick it up from there, which is when I actually started making pickups. And I have some funny stories from the, the early years of that. So mm-hmm. The blunder years <laughs> or <Yes>. whatever. <laughs> many, many, yeah. Yeah, we, yeah I'll, I'll get into it later because it's, <laughs> it's a whole topic in itself of my adventures of <laughs> actually trying to make a complete coil. So, um, yeah, it can be... Yeah pain in the butt yes sometimes. exactly so, well that's uh i think that's pretty much what we have for today for for the show and uh we tried to cover a lot of little topics um again we're going to try to have some some interviews but we'll continue with the pickup myths and kind of a little more of the backstory of porter pickups as well um last week we talked about kind of a week in the shop you know typical here's what a week looks like and and thinking back too, it's like a lot of stuff had to happen to get to where a typical week looks like what it does now <laughs> you know so, again, we're just trying to go back and kind of show some of the journey. Um, and we'll talk about in the future, we'll talk about some, some tough things that we had to go through as a business and just some, some of the journey because, you know, a lot of times you listen to a, a business interview and everything's great and they're just killing it and they're really busy. But, um, you know, a lot of stuff for a lot of people had to happen to get to that point. And so um, it's definitely a journey that we're, we're still on and we still don't feel like we're, 
we're there yet. So yeah. we're going to continue to chase all of that stuff. So thank you guys again so much for listening. And uh, we will catch you next time, uh, episode 37.